Hi, everyone, and welcome to this special episode of the Passive House Podcast, recorded in Terrytown, New York, at the FiasCon 2021 Passive House Conference. Before we get started, I want to thank Fias for putting on the conference and for coordinating with us on these interviews, as well as NYSERDA for serving as conference partner with Fias and community partner with us here at the Passive House Accelerator. Thank you, too, to Rockwell North America, their generous support underwrote all of these interviews, as well as our coverage of the conference. With that, please enjoy my interview with Elizabeth Turner of Precipitate. We have Elizabeth Turner from Precipitate here joining us for this special interview at the FiasCon conference. Elizabeth, thanks for sitting down with me to have a chat. Definitely. Good to be here. Yeah. Awesome. So could you start by uh, introducing uh, Precipitate's work and, and your role there? Yeah. So we've really um, kind of come to realize that our work is working towards climate justice. And we see Passive House as one of the ways to do that, one of our tools and methodologies to achieve that. Um, and I think it's kind of through two main um, directions. One is I, we do a lot of Passive House for affordable housing. And we know that people who are lower income are most impacted by the changing climate. And so um, we're really excited to be offering like really resilient, low energy homes that have a lower energy burden for people who it impacts most. Um, and then the other side of that is who we're engaging in the design conversations. So we're a all woman firm. Um, we have an awesome staff that we see as a responsibility to mentor and train in building science. Um, and we not only kind of keep that knowledge internal to ourselves, but we do a lot of sustainable design consulting for other architecture firms. And so we see um, architecture consulting and education kind of being a really core thing of what we do with education being kind of critical to make the next steps for climate justice, not for just like a few people that have bought into it, yeah. but really expanding to um, a large population yeah. in our community. So it uh, uh, sounds like lots of community engagement work then. Can you dive deeper into that? I, I think this is so important, yeah. and I think a lot of a lot of um, a lot of firms are probably probably could uh, um, really benefit from that you know experience and successful case studies and approaches. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I think um, when we're in the role of a consultant, we don't often have a lot of say of how, like how community engagement happens yeah but we've been fortunate to be part of a couple of really successful um project teams that were affordable housing that did a lot of community engagement work one of those is bayview townhome redevelopment in madison wisconsin and the architecture team there um there's existing townhomes that are being replaced by um, more dense housing as well as community center and um, two of those buildings will be Passive House certified. And so we're lucky to join the team as a Passive House consultant. But they really sat down and asked residents, what do they want to see in their future new homes? And a lot of those things um, were difficult to mesh with Passive House technology, uh, Passive House strategies and methodology. Mm. Um, but we figured out, you know, what were those core things that were important to people? And one of the things was having townhomes that... Um, were not just like a box, but had kind of bump outs for window wells, window seats, um, a lot of facade articulation, which 
from a design perspective was beautiful from a passive house detailing right. <laughs> right. perspective we're like yeah. please please don't do yeah. this um but we've we you know kept some things that were really critical we decided to add shading to the south windows instead of removing some of the fa the facade articulation um, because we knew how important that was for the residents and if they hadn't had those conversations with the current and future residents we wouldn't have had that values-based discussion, mm -hmm. um, even mm -hmm. though it is affordable housing. Mm -hmm. um, there's another project that we're working on in Northfield, Minnesota, with the Community Action Center of Northfield, and they provide supportive and transition housing for um, people like really close to like currently experiencing homelessness and trying to, to transition to their next next step. And um, that organization, again, the the residents really preferred townhomes. And uh, not only just kind of a row house of like in Bayview at seven kind of connected, um, they're doing duplexes that really feels like a single family residential community, which is important to make that transition um, for, for the people who are going to live there. And we figured out how to make it work. Mm -hmm. um, we have mm -hmm. probably more insulation than we would have um, in a different situation, but we also have more shading and porches and things that make kind of make it feel comfortable and cozy and really home-like mm -hmm. because that was really important to those. Right, those really needs. responding yeah. to those mm -hmm. needs and desires. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think too, like when in our work as architects, um, it starts before we even get the project when we're just interviewing and kind of doing meet and greets with people who might be potential future clients. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I like to talk about with them is how important it is to have conversations with future residents. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's something that doesn't typically happen right. in affordable housing, especially. Yeah. Um, it's kind of really developer driven and like how fast can you get it done? Right. Like, um, and I think there's a really important tie between the process we use to get passive house certified projects and ones that are really socially responsible too mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. engage people. It's this um, view that architecture should be about creating like it's a huge investment regardless. So like you want to make the best of your investment. And so you want to talk to people and make sure that when you are having um, a huge investment of resources, often public resources, that it is meeting the direct needs of people who are going to live there. Um, I guess that seems pretty straightforward, but it just right. doesn't. Right. Like what, we, yeah. we, we get into this mode where we're like, we just got to cut our fee. Like that's all that matters. And I think we lose the bigger picture of what we're trying to achieve with affordable housing, which is creating homes that are meet social needs as well as energy needs and kind of tackle um, reducing energy burden and being more resilient for people who are um, more vulnerable. So those things, I think, like in the past year or so, I think it's been really clear how tied the environmental justice piece is to the social justice piece yeah. and yeah. we just have to do those two things at the same time yeah so part of i mean what's the secret in term to uh actually reach potential residents is part it sounds I, i'm reading into what you just said a little bit thinking that maybe part of it is uh is really in the proposal process when you're competing for for, for a job right yeah. is to is to write that into the scope is that I think that's an important part of it, mm -hmm. and I think it also starts before the, before that uh -huh. <laughs> um, with relationship building uh -huh. and yeah. building relationships um, 
I think organizations that you come to to work with who are the client have relationships with their uh, right. the the people that they serve, their clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important. And finding finding those organizations you want to partner with that do value those relationships, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. is important. Um, and then we also have conversations with people we know might not do a project for three to five years, uh-huh. right? And just yeah. get to know them and what their values are right. and talk more about values than we do about the fee yeah. <laughs> or yeah. the process or anything. Because yeah. I think the things that you tie to values are the things that don't get value engineered out of the project and kind of are a core piece of, of why you're doing the work together. Right. And then you can set appropriate budgets from the very beginning. Yeah. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. So you are doing a couple of presentations at the conference. Is that, is that right? Related to uh, multifamily? Just one. Just, just one. one this year. Yeah. Okay. So what is the presentation about multifamily work going to be about? What, yeah, are, you, what are you going so, to be addressing? So we've done some projects where, you know, the design team really knows from the beginning they're going to do passive house and kind of everything's dialed in and it's very sophisticated. Um, we Like there's a, a form that, that was designed for passive house. In the presentation that we're going to give uh, tomorrow, the design team had a design the city of St. Paul said, um, this is great. We want you to do a passive house pilot case study for us um, with this design that was not designed for passive house at all. Uh-oh. Nobody yeah. on the team had any experience with it or yeah. like honestly like much of an interest in it uh-huh. um, at that point, right? But the their funding was going to be tied to being passive house certified. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's a really interesting case study of how uh, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and also how it's way more expensive and not right. ideal. Right. So kind of those two things yeah. together. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the design, I think it's a, it was a really exciting project for us because, um, we saw the transformation of the design and construction team from being kind of skeptical about like, why are we having to do this? Nobody wants, to, especially when you, your fee is already set and your design's already set, like try to have to meet an additional right. regulatory hurdle. Um, but uh, Nick, one of the project architects, his kind of takeaway was like, once you learn this stuff, you can't unlearn it. And he is currently um, becoming a CPHC. Awesome. And revised yeah. all of the standard details for um, their firm, and kind of just moving forward, they they incorporated a lot of what they learned from Passive House right. um, methodology. So it's a pretty fun. That's a great process. story. Yeah. yeah, that's a great story. <laughs> so what do you? So some of the details are being informed by by Passive House, yep. and probably uh, other design approaches are being mm-hmm. informed by Passive House. So what do you see as the kind of future direction of Precipitate? in relation to Passive House after yeah. after that experience? I mean, I think that all of our projects, I'm trying to think, I think all of our projects are Passive House projects at this wow. point. Um, Great. We're doing a few projects that are just net zero. I mean, just net zero. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. So yeah. we have a couple of libraries that are um, looking to be net zero mm-hmm. projects. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're not, they're not going to be Passive House certified, but we will use Wifi Passive modeling and... Yeah. Um, all of the kind of best practices from Passive House and right. air sealing strategies to achieve net zero. Um, and I think right now and for the next few years, we'll probably be doing a lot of um, that education and consulting work because there's a, a big demand in the Minneapolis market to kind of build up capacity 
of people mm-hmm. who are trained certified passive house consultants, have a few pet projects under their belt. We're happy to be kind of supporting a lot of diverse firms in that work. Um, and I think in the future, we see ourselves kind of staying on the forefront of what's next and um, doing more architecture ourselves in-house mm. as well. Mm. Um, and also looking at embodied carbon. Um, we had a, a client challenge us. We were already like set, ready to go with a passive house certified accessory dwelling unit in Minneapolis. Um, then we started talking about potential wall types and the client was pretty horrified by the options with mm. a lot of foam yeah. and yeah. embodied energy, even yeah. in the case of um, non-foam insulation products. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are doing that one as a straw bale house. That cool. is also incorporates passive house principles. Yeah. So yeah, I think embodied embodied carbon is like the big the big next thing. Yeah. And kind of balancing yeah. those things and yeah. doing um, embodied carbon models in addition to energy models. Yeah. For our projects and balancing them. Well, it sounds like that straw bale ADU will be a good um, presentation. Yeah. Uh, at a at a future FIAS. Yeah, comment. we'll we be presenting. Um, I think it's Passive House Alliance. So one of the webinars in December. Oh, great. On that project. Yeah. Nice. So nice. it's currently under construction. Um, Great. Last Great. week they started installing the bales. So awesome, yeah. awesome. Get some good construction photos there. Yeah, yeah. So were you? How long have you been involved with Passive House? Were you introduced to to Passive House through that pilot, or do you have a? What's your yeah. journey to Passive yeah. House? Yeah. So um, I graduated from the University of Minnesota with a master's of architecture and a dual degree in sustainable design. Cool. And so I've been interested in energy efficiency and energy modeling, early phase energy modeling for a really long time, about right. a decade. Um, and just didn't have a lot of success, like actually implementing that in the firms I was working at. Um, we kind of like do a trial, but then like it wouldn't really go anywhere. We did some studies, like it was just kind of um, stop, stop and start. Um, I We got a a client who was really interested in doing passive house. So I became a certified passive house consultant about five years ago now, I think. Got it. Okay. Um, and I, what I really love about, it's the same thing. It's the same thing I learned, like the principles that I learned in grad school, but there's something about having a really like rigorous um, certification process mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and methodology yeah. that clients can really understand. Mm-hmm. I think a little bit easier than just general energy efficiency. Right. And I've seen a lot of people really respond well to kind of the, the passive house approach. I also learned more in my certified passive house um, consultant training than I did in my master's of sustainable design. <laughs> I really love the kind of uh, deep dive into building science and focus on energy and like really kind of hands-on practical approaches. It's been really fun. Have you provided Fias with a customer testimonial for for the training? That sounds like I can see the full quote right now. (laughs) Yeah, both were really, like both were really excellent programs. And um, just like the, there's so many little nuggets in in the, the Fias training that kind of, I think takes it from conceptual to like how how do you how do you then actually implement this on your projects? Right. And I think it's like that missing link between people's aspirations and then being able to actually achieve it. Yeah. 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 I think there's something really powerful too about having a tangible tar- tangible targets, you know. Yes. Yeah, I think it, yep. it sort of like it, it focuses everybody right. in the conversations. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. So what 
what do you want to uh, gain from the conference? In addition to to sharing the yeah. lessons learned from your cool project, what it, what uh, what other hopes do you have um, <laughs> during this time here? So when COVID happened, like I could handle a lot of things, but yeah. um, the thing that made me the most sad and actually cry was missing coming to the FIAS conference, and that got canceled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think the reason why is it's it's like. It is about the technical things, and I love learning about that and just being a total energy nerd and being surrounded by other other energy nerds. But yeah. more than that, I feel like it's being surrounded by this wonderful community of people yeah. who are really dedicating their lives to climate justice, right? Yeah. And and figuring out how to make it work, and like often at great personal risk, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, have dealt with a lot of challenges. Like there's just something really empowering and exciting about being in this community of people. And um, I've been coming for, I think, about five years now and just seeing familiar faces from across the country who are doing this work and, you know, checking in and seeing how they they have grown over that amount of time, too. Mm -hmm. It's just really exciting. You know, like the first conference, it was like, how are we going to achieve this? There are so many challenges and um, so many hurdles, um, like really brainstorming and getting together and um, collaborating over dinner, right, and sharing stories. And and now we're at the point where I see people who have been my verifiers on more than one project, and we're actually making it happen. So yeah. kind of, it's like a good checkpoint to see how we actually are making progress yeah. in passive building. Well, that is a great way to wrap up this conversation. Really wonderful chat, Elizabeth. It's great to meet you and get a chance to sit down with you. Great. Thanks so much. Likewise.